You're listening to the King's Place podcast. Presenting music, comedy, spoken word, poetry, and art from around the world. kingsplace.co.uk Hello and welcome to the King's Place podcast. This is a new monthly podcast full of all the latest news, information and exclusive interviews highlighting the upcoming events at King's Place. On this edition we talk on the phone to musician and composer Andy Shepherd about his involvement in jazz scene Europe. We also look at the Darbar Festival, a celebration of Indian classical music. But first we look in more detail at Out Here, the Monday night series exploring the sonic world of contemporary classical, electronic and avant-garde music. Hi, my name is Elaine Higgins and I am responsible for promoting and some programme advising on King's Place's Out Here series, which is a series of events curated by leading promoters and musicians from the world of contemporary new music, experimental music and multimedia performance. And tell me a little bit more about the Out Here series. It's every Monday. It starts at 8 o'clock. Very relaxed atmosphere. It takes place in Hall 2, which is a fantastic hall to perform in. It's wonderful acoustic. And the staging in Hall 2 is flexible. So uh, you could have seated, quite traditional seating, or everyone standing. Uh, People are encouraged to walk in and out, get drinks from the bar. It's very, very relaxed. It's quite an unusual model for a a concert-going experience in London at the moment. And the nights are pretty diverse musically, would, would you agree? You have to come with an open mind. That's what we, we ask our audience to do. Um, just embrace what you're about to experience. Um, you may know or be familiar with the music that you hear or unfamiliar, but it, it will be an experience um, either way. Uh, if you can imagine that out here you can taste some hardcore, what I would consider to be hardcore contemporary uh, classical music, anything from works by well-known uh, contemporary composers such as Chiarino or Lachemann to uh, free improvisation, um, working with uh, musicians who just on the spot create their own music and then we could have more modest classical musicians who want to go outside of their own boundaries and present music in a more creative way. We also work with multimedia artists. And what's coming up in March? We have Johannes Moser and Phyllis Chen. They're not UK young musicians, they are IMG's bright young stars. Uh, Johannes is from Germany and Phyllis uh, is from the United States. Um, Phyllis um, has made a, a name for herself on the slightly alternative left field uh, scene in New York where she plays the toy piano. Those of you who don't know what the toy piano is, just imagine Peanuts or Charlie Brown and Linus. Um, it won't be a mini grand piano, it'll be a mini upright. And uh, it's, it's just amazing to look at seeing a, a pianist play the toy piano and uh, this huge person with this tiny thing. So um, they're going to be performing music going from Debussy right through to Stockhausen and also have some uh, uh, commissions playing a range of instruments, including the prepared piano and electronic cello. And uh, later on in March, or mid-March, we have Elysian. And then it's followed by something totally different. On March the 22nd, we have Monotone Symphony, curated by Theatre Nomad. 
Luke Dixon, who runs Theatre Nomad, um, is representing Eve Klein's groundbreaking concert that was given in Paris 50 years ago. And uh, it involves a 10-piece orchestra that plays a single note with naked performers um, who daub themselves in blue paint and create new pictures on the wall. Now that's, I, I've, I suspect that we probably have quite a few people waiting to come and see that. I don't know who the naked persons will be, but uh, yeah, buy your ticket for that one <laughs> as soon as possible. And to delve further into the Out Here series of concerts, we caught up with Daryl Buckley, who explains more about what to expect from the Elysian Ensemble concert on the 15th of March. Hi, my name's Daryl Buckley. I'm the Artistic Director of the Elysian Ensemble, sitting here in King's Place after just having a wonderful coffee. And how does an Australian ensemble find itself in London? But basically musicians are peripatetic. They tend to travel and in particular Australian musicians tend to travel because obvious limitations to pursuing a musical practice in Australia which are around the size of the country's population, the distance between major cities. So currently Elysian consists of 20 musicians, one of whom is French and uh, some of whom are British, many are Australian. But we're living in something like six or seven cities around the world, from Australia through to San Francisco to Bonn uh, in Germany, Cologne, Bern in Switzerland. I live in Manchester, so, so we're totally scattered. And I, instead of being an artistic director, I've become a travel agent. <laughs> and do you think contemporary classical music is something to be scared of? No, I think it's something to be thrilled about. And, and, and new music as with art, it's an incredibly exciting part of the human experience it's one it's, it's a really safe territory in a way that you can actually go along and experience an unknown and it's really not going to hurt you might get angry you might get frustrated you might get excited you might get thrilled you might encounter something that you've never ever heard before that changes your life and these are actually all really wonderful things and I think it's a very precious thing about new music and contemporary art is that as an audience member you can actually experience something which is completely unpredictable and so I actually think it's really fine if somebody in the audience absolutely hates it because I've, over the years that I've been programming and running an ensemble I've actually had the experience of challenging audiences and, and people coming back and, and trying to resolve something in themselves that they've heard and then actually belatedly being turned on to a particular form of music or a particular insight or they've discovered something in some activity that they're doing through having a very strong reaction at a concert. So anyway, I think it's one of the really wonderful things about new music, wonderful things about art. You don't always have to like it. You can have an opinion and uh, you can argue passionately about it. Taking it maybe to a far extreme, but some people would describe this music as uh, dissonant and aggressive. Uh, well, we're dissonant and aggressive. <laughs> and look, I don't see anything wrong with that. I mean, 
uh, where, where do you define, I mean, who, who defines consonants and in which cultural viewpoint? And, you know, sure. Um, I think what's really important in live performance is the energy and conviction that a player brings and the performers bring. And then it brings a way of reading and an understanding of work, which is not simply about uh, my ears being tickled pink with the warm, rosy glow of a melody that sounds like something the Beatles might have done a few decades ago. And I believe this is the first time you've played at King's Place as a, as a, as a full group. That's correct, yes. It'll be something like... Uh, 16 musicians of the ensemble but probably the most on stage at any one time will be 9 or 10. We won't fit. <laughs> we have two fantastic works that frame the, the concert. The first being by Lisa Lim, Songs Found in Dream and then the last being by the uh, maverick British composer Brian Fernie Howe, Terrain. Uh, they're, they're not Unrelated either, terrain, as the title might imply, draws its, I guess, its artistic or its intellectual inspirations from ideas of old geological time. And coming from an Australian continent, which is actually really, really old, there's something that's really, really appealing in, in this work, that you have this sense of old time, of old forces... Lands, not human, but landscape forces that move and shift against one another. At the beginning of the concert, song Found in Dream, the work by Lisa, takes its inspiration from an Aboriginal word or concept, which is referring to the idea of songs being found or being hunted within dreams. That's where songs are found. And they can be recognised by the quality of their energies, their vibration, there's a sense of flicker or shimmer around these songs that when you're dreaming identify where they are, where you can find them. And this piece as well works with very, a sense of constantly changing layered stratas of sound that are uh, at times convulsive, at times rapidly morphing from one thing into another. And it's got this beautiful sense of layering whereby two or three things might be happening, but they create another thing. If you listen really, really deep into the music, there's a depth of activity and sound, and and, and there's a beauty in that, that you can find at any one moment. Yeah. With the composers that we're presenting, Lisa has been working with the ensemble. All of her early pieces, her juvenilia, were composed for members of the ensemble uh, while she was at college in Melbourne, Victorian College of the Arts, which is where the the group originated. So we've got something like a, um, goodness, I think it'd be almost like a 25-year-old artistic history, which is a really, really beautiful thing. It gives gives you a certain authority and a depth of experience in, in approaching somebody's work. With Brian, Brian, we've been playing his music for probably, I don't know, about 15 years. And we're about actually to release a CD, which should be out by the time of the concert, on, a, on the Viennese label uh, Kairos, which is dedicated to his work. So we've had the um, lucky circumstance of being able to give world premieres of a number of his pieces, which for an Aussie group, that's pretty good.
Daryl Buckley, the artistic director of the Elysian Ensemble, whose concert takes place on Monday the 15th of March. Jazz Scene Europe is a week of concerts with four key musicians that between them help define European jazz. This week's series features the contrasting sounds of four leading woodwind players from different corners of the continent. Saxophonist John Sermon and Andy Shepard from the UK, Italian clarinetist Gianluigi Traversi and Frenchman Louis Sclavis. All of them distinguished composers as well as virtuoso performers. We caught up on the phone with Andy Shepard to talk about the world of jazz and his performance at King's Place. My name's Andy Shepherd, saxophone player, musician. And so first, is um, is the jazz scene within Europe currently very strong? Oh, within Europe, yeah, for sure. It's uh, I feel very um, privileged to be part of a European jazz family. You know, it's wonderful. There's all these uh, musicians who've uh, come out of various countries and um, have developed their own uh, language, you know, which is outside of the body of... Uh, you know, kind of American jazz. Although, you know, obviously we all have utmost respect for the jazz tradition. But um, it just comes a point naturally uh, in your career where you have to own up to the fact that you're not from New York. <laughs> you're not American. and uh, But you love this kind of music, you know. And, you know, obviously one has studied to the, the history of the music and uh, I love all aspects of jazz music. But I always thought that the really essential ingredient is you know improvising and um it's wonderful to be able to draw on different traditions and cultures to get your you know improvising and the nature of your music across and i think that just comes naturally through traveling through playing with people from different countries uh, you know from traveling to different continents and playing in situ you know it's not just something that you get off records or you get off of uh, by kind of academic study you have to get out in the field and play in Africa, like I did, I suppose. I went to Lagos, I went to the shrine, I played with Farakuti in his club, you know. And this kind of opportunity is amazing if you get it, and it's one that you should grab. And would you say in comparison to maybe America, the, the jazz sound in Europe is, is more laid back? Um, well, I do, it's terribly difficult to say because it depends who you're listening to. You know, if you listen to the music of... John Hassel, I mean, he's American, but he plays in a very unique, almost kind of, I would say, it's kind of a European way, I suppose. I don't know, it's just, it's what comes naturally to the musician. I think, you know, the advantage maybe that a European musician has is that we can step outside of the, uh, the tradition. And, I mean, actually, so have American musicians for years. You know, it's only kind of recently that there's been a rigid kind of this is what jazz is kind of attitude coming out of certain quarters. You know, if you're, a, it's just, a, it's just being an artist and being open. Really, it's just you follow your intuition. You know, and it's um, that always seemed to me to be, I guess I'm old school in that way. You know, it's like it's kind of it's a Picasso thing. You know, if you study an artist like that and you see that they constantly adapted, reinvented themselves 
Um, I heard something really interesting about Picasso the other day. I mean, he said, great artists don't copy, they steal. <laughs> so, you know, people wouldn't want to show him their work because they knew that he'd nick it. But, uh, you know, and then it, the same thing is true of Miles, you know, that you can, you know, delve back through his music and it's constantly changing and he's constantly reinventing himself and looking and seeking new ways of putting new instruments together, new sounds together, new musicians together to create new music. And that's really all that, you know, anyone can do. I think if you just get one stuck in one style and stay there, then, you know, maybe that suits you. It's never suited me. I want to, um, I want to play with new people all the time. I want to hear sounds I've never heard before. And do you enjoy the challenge of working with, with others? Yeah, I mean, right off the bat, you know, I was very lucky to meet extraordinary uh, musicians. And, and often these things come about naturally. I mean, a prime example, I suppose, of that is uh, the wonderful Brazilian percussionist, Nana Vasconcelos. He, when I met him, we just kept crossing each other in airports, you know, and uh, he'd be carrying a beer and bow and I'd be carrying a saxophone. And, uh, you know, after this had happened about five times, at various international airports, we got talking and I said, you know, does this mean something? Maybe we should play together, man, you know, and we laughed and stuff. And then um, that's what happened. I sang it, I was in London and I bumped into him in an Indian restaurant. I said to him, you know, I really want to play with you. And he said, well, what do you want to play? And so I sang him one of my tunes and um, he just said, let's go, let's play, you know. And then we started to work together as a duo. And then that led to a band, you know, and, and playing with people like that opens other doors for you, and you learn so much, you know, it's a, it's a wonderful voyage, and I think that's what happens with music, it's an international passport to all kinds of wonderful things, you know, life's an adventure, so I kind of figured that out a long time ago, and once you have a taste for adventure, there should be no stopping you, till you fall off the edge. But that's the way the music happens, and that's the way you grow, and it doesn't happen immediately. But if you manage to get to play with somebody from in a different, you know, in Japan or something, or Mongolia, South America, and if you play with them in their country, in their atmosphere, um, something rubs off on you, and it might not be the next day that you suddenly have a feeling for, you know, I don't know, Buenos Aires Tango or something, but it's kind of... It all kind of goes in there, and it will resurface at some point, hopefully. And in this concert, who who are you collaborating with? Oh, yeah, well, you know, Rita was... um, I've worked with her for a number of years, and that, that came about because she, we kind of bumped into each other in a hotel lobby in uh, somewhere in Hungary. <laughs> Can't remember where, but I know that it was. Uh, it was oh, that's you know, and uh, she was working with Julie Redman at the time, and then I saw her play with her band in a festival in France, and it was this project she does on, with the films of Truffaut. And I was, it was so fantastic, this concert. And I did something which I very, very rarely do, which I went, I went backstage and I found her and I said, first of all, I said, that was just an amazing concert. Thank you very much. And I said, if ever you need a saxophone player, I'm your man, you know. And uh, so five years later, she called me and said, I need a saxophone player. So that's kind of how that relationship started. And then we went on. I played in her band and then we formed a duo. 
and then we have a kind of wonderful ongoing relationship. She's one of the top European musicians. She's got a wonderful open attitude. She's brilliant. Music just pours out of her. Great piano player, great writer. And Seb, funnily enough, uh, he came to see me play when he was a young teenager, I found out, and in Aberdeen. And I think he said to his, to his mum, I want to make music like that and I want to play the drums or maybe he was already playing. And, um, you know, so many years later, I, got, I heard about this guy and I hired him just on his reputation. And I called him and I said, look, you know, I don't know what you play like, but you, I'm hiring you on your, your reputation. I'm sending you the music. Learn it. There'll be no rehearsal. I'll see you on stage. Come see. You know, Seb is a fantastic musician. I always think of him as being from another planet. The way he plays, the way he is, fantastic. An inspiration to us all. And have you thought about how this concert may work yet? Well, I know that because I was asked this recently, you know, which, how do you want to put this concert together in terms of the uh, timings? And I thought, mm, yeah, no, what I'll do is a first set of uh, the duo with Rita, which is very beautiful, very accessible, and um, there are good chewy bits in there too. You know, it's not all kind of pretty music. It's... Um, we, we go take it out and then I thought there'd be a break and then I'd come back and just do this this thing with Seb and um, you know we'll, we'll figure out what we're going to do in the dressing room or we may not even talk about it we may just walk on stage and play you know sometimes great music comes out of out of thin air you know and um, I want to uh, get Reza back so all three of us will play together which is something we've we've not done before you know i mean i've I recently played in newcastle where seb did meet rita for the first time and we played but in a quintet setting but this will be different you know and i may ask seb to sing one of his songs if he feels like it because he sings great songs very whimsical but you know it's like i'd like to approach the gig in a fairly fresh and open way there are certain things i know that we'll do and We'll all know what's going on, and then there'll be moments when we can um, just see what happens. So there's a there's a voyage involved. This is the King's Place podcast. The Darbar Festival takes place this year at King's Place from Monday the 29th of March to Sunday the 4th of April. A celebration of Britain's most important Indian classical music, it's four days of stunning improvisational music and premieres of unique concerts where you'll hear the meeting of Western and Eastern classical traditions. There will be concerts each day throughout the festival with lots of extra music and activities available, including some mini concerts, free workshops and film screenings. So the festival came about four years ago and Sandeep Verdi, artistic director of the festival, tells us a little bit more about it. My father was a music teacher and he taught an instrument called the tabla for all his life, uh, predominantly 22 years in, uh, as a peripatetic teacher in Leicester. And unfortunately, he passed away. And uh, a lot of the artists that knew him felt uh, that we should do a concert in his memory. And we started putting something together uh, as, as a tribute. It started off initially just as a simple one day a concert um, and before we knew it we were planning a three-day event and 
we felt that you know it needed to be given a proper name, uh, and then the name Darbar was chosen. That was footage taken from Sky Arts at Darbar Festival documentary. And the festival runs from Monday the 29th of March to Sunday the 4th of April at King's Place. You've been listening to the King's Place podcast. Please visit our website kingsplace.co.uk for more information about any of the events you've heard about and to book your seats. Tickets for all events are available from as little as £9.50 online. Thanks for listening. You're listening to the King's Place podcast. Presenting music, comedy, spoken word, poetry and art from around the world. kingsplace.co.uk